You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Writing, A Memoir of the Craft, is a memoir by Stephen King that describes his experiences as a writer and his advice to aspiring writers. King highlights events in his life that influenced his writing. The book is filled with personal anecdotes that parallel his discussion on writing. He urges readers to take writing seriously. He explains his toolbox, discussing English mechanics. And the final section of the book is where he describes his roadside hit and run that nearly killed him and how it affected his life and subsequent work. This isn't a book just on how to write. It's half philosophy, half non-traditional autobiography, although King says it's not an autobiography. I disagree. It is very much filled with anecdotes about his life And so while it offers glimpses into his experiences, it's more accurately described as a memoir about writing rather than a comprehensive autobiography. I explain all this, and I go on about this, because On Writing is an extraordinary book and one of Uh the best writing tools for any aspiring or even working writer. It is a must for writers. I swear by it. And that title has been spun a bit for the film we are discussing today. King on Screen is a new documentary focusing on the works of the legendary author that have been adapted to film and television. Since 1976, more than 50 directors have adapted King's work from Carrie to It to Pet Cemetery to The Dark Tower to The Green Mile and Misery and Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption. The list goes on. And it's not loaded with strictly horror. This documentary explores the work of the directors and their adaptations and their sources, but evoking the acclaimed book's title may have you wondering if this, too, goes deeply into King's life. How does this documentary stand against other documentaries? Is this for the fans, the filmmakers, or curious strangers who might want to know more about famed author. I am T.C. DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am joined by Ben. Hi. Luane. Hey, how's it going? And Frank. Hello. Friends, are we all Stephen King fans here? Yes. Since uh, 1997, that was my first Stephen King uh, experience, and it was Desperation. Still my favorite, maybe because it was my first. I'm a kid from Boston area, so it's like Stephen King is just like gospel there, where you see him at a Red Sox game, and I was like, Hey, look, there's Stephen King with his weird-shaped chin. All right, cool. <laughs> I, I, I love, Frank, that you picked something that's so non-traditional in terms of Stephen King. I'm the son of a librarian, so, like, don't judge a book by its cover was, like, uh-huh. one of the, the, the credos in my home. I totally went for the cover for that book. Yep. <laughs> I went for that because it's such a striking, yep. you know, beautiful cover. And that's the thing about Stephen King is that everyone just wants to automatically judge him as the horror guy. He is the king of horror. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, Shawshank Redemption... Stand by me. There are some 
stories that have been made into films by him that are not horror movies. Yeah, some are can be classified as very dark dramas. Um, there's one that um, was not included in here, and I'm not surprised it wasn't. 1998's uh, Apt Pupil. Oh, yep. which, uh, yes. Which is yeah. uh, a very, very good film. Probably one of my favorite. My, probably my second favorite after um, Creep Show. Say what you will about Brian Singer. It is that 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 that, <laughs> yeah. that, that that's a film they, that. Oh that right! So, Why didn't they interview that guy? That, that, yeah, I that, that, that film is so uh, so powerful, and um, I mean that just shows like the vast range. I was gonna say, you know, they barely touch on the recent eleven twenty two sixty three, which is a similar thing. With yeah, a yeah, historical thriller. But the underrated mm-hmm. range that he's always he's always had. Well, the thing that Stephen King is the true master of. You can call him the king of horror. That's fine. He crafts characters like no other. He brings characters to life like nobody else does. And you can see his contemporaries. You can see people who followed in his footsteps. Uh, People like Neil Gaiman, you can see the influence of Stephen King in some of his work, Mm -hmm. if not a lot of his work. But this documentary doesn't necessarily focus enough on Stephen King. It's focusing on the adaptations of his work, and it interviews directors. And this cannot be the final cut of this movie. No. The no. audio is all over the place. The no, ADR no. in some characters is terrible. It, 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 it does feel very cut and paste. Oh, my um, God. There's literally a red <laughs> screen of death if yep. you're familiar with Premiere Pro. The media Pro. warning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what it, the hell? It feels like they spent more time on the homage intro and exit to this than they did on the actual editing of all of the interviews they got. To yeah. spot the Easter egg. There, there's this framing device that just, you know, I had no patience for. I didn't think it was cute. <laughs> I didn't think it was clever. I thought, oh, there's Amy Irving. Cool. She's still on Earth. I didn't think it really added to this. And I I, I really, I'm, they're not. But I, I, ideally, they would just like get rid of that. Because I just think that that didn't serve any purpose at all. No, it, it, it felt like the video that would be shot for a horror film festival awards ceremony. Yes, yes. spoofing the Oscars. Hey, yes. we're gonna stick our stick our hosts in the in the Stephen King universe. Yeah. The aside from the whole Easter egg nature of it, some of the acting in it was just eh. Uh, Maybe yeah, don't well. do that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it, it, it was very B movie tongue in cheek, like broader sure. tongue in cheek. I too am familiar with King's work. Thank you very yes. much for <laughs> letting me know that you are. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> here lies the problem with this documentary. There's good material here. It's just not a good documentary. Documentaries at their best craft a story and weave you in and out through the experiences of the subjects yeah. or the subject. And this feels like watching a playlist on YouTube of behind-the-scene featurettes yes. from DVDs. Yeah, it, it did not have like documentaries need to have a through line. You know that through lines yes. are not yeah. not, not just strictly for narratives, and this this one didn't. And um, it's uh, and it's it, it's it's a struggle because the stuff that's said here, the analytical stuff, is valid. And you know some of, some of yes. it, some of it, you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of saw that already. But then also you're like, oh yeah, no, I, I I didn't really look at the way his stuff has been adapted, you know, in this way or why or the this this theme or that one, and and like and you're right, 1997 Shining is really pretty good. Don't at me anybody, yeah. <laughs> but um, 
the the flow here is just well, there's none. Yeah, I mean, look, I could I could listen to Frank Darabont talk about working with Stephen King. Older. Yeah, like yeah, that that could be a documentary to itself, Darabont on yes. King, and I would watch that. But that's not got the through line. I mean, look, I don't mind spoiling this because it's the weirdest thing possible in this movie. They don't even talk to Stephen King in no, this documentary. Mm-hmm. Right, he does direct at least one of his own movies. One of my favorites. Oh, do you like the, it? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I love it. It's not good, but I love it. It, it is. It is the most B movie of a Stephen King movie that yeah, exists. Yeah. And it's honestly, it is the most fun in the world for me. It's part of my childhood seeing a Green Goblin truck try to run I down know, children's yes. <laughs> Yeah. No, dude. The the thing about the one thing I will give it credit for is that they did get into because um, I knew they had like they've got Darabont you have to have Darabont yeah, right yeah and they bring in Mick Garris sure great that's cool but they also bring in guys like Baxley and those guys that did like the TV adaptations yeah the the, the guy the guy directed the 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 Langoliers that guy's here right but not King but it was interesting to hear those guys <laughs> because you can hear Darabont talk about stuff you can hear mick garris talk about his experiences because they have a regular voice and stuff but some of these other guys it was interesting although in the end it's still like dude it was so cool working with stephen king yeah yeah man i bet it was (laughs) what else you got for me if you're going to evoke on writing by titling this on screen there's your template right there look at the damn book and use that to craft the narrative because stephen king in on writing whether he wants to call it an autobiography or not, you are experiencing his process as well as his life. And they touch on it occasionally in here. They talk about his wife. And wow, you could do an entire documentary just about the women yes. that Stephen King has written and why he wrote that way. That's amazing. Yes. Well, I was about to say, you could do a documentary on just their marriage and their mm-hmm. partnership. Yeah. Um, she is an author in her own right. Yeah. You joke about almost 50 directors. It's like, basically is getting close to the amount of directors as books he's actually written. Like the man is yeah. prolific. Like they've referenced some of the jokes about parodying him. They've left out one of my favorite ones, which is literally family guy has a joke of him getting hit by a car. And he literally writes, he goes in midair, huh? This actually makes me think of a new story. It writes a whole book in midair. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like that's the type of like parodying Stephen King. That's the good stuff that they should bring up. Where it's like, yeah. no, the man can write nonstop. And then like when they bring in these guys that only did the TV movies, it's bring up that he has enough stuff to make short films and TV movies. Like they barely touched on. Yeah. Some of the weaker ones, but like, what was it? Um, uh, in the field, or, in the tall, in the tall grass. grass, like, look, that may not have been an amazing movie when that just came out recently. It was that like five years ago, but it still well, is like years ago. Yeah. It's, it was a, re- it was a solid enough one part of that King Renaissance that they really, they only touch on this King Renaissance we've been going through at the end. It's like, no, that's something you should highlight about how all he has so many stories and short stories that can be adapted and are being adapted. That's almost more interesting than hearing Darabont continue to talk about it. I think, but I th- also think that they, on a practical level, maybe, and this was clearly their choice. I don't think I don't, it was necessarily the right choice, but I think that they were just strictly bound to who they could get to talk to them. Mm, sure, like they, like they didn't have Andy Muschietti and whatnot, and it's like like they didn't have Rob Reiner, even though they you know they clearly wanted to talk about Stand by Me more than they did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Darabont brought on all his home movies from behind the scenes <laughs> right. and things like that, and so I think that that they just let that dictate. Well, 30 minutes of this is just about the Green Mile and Shawshank Green Mile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's just it. There's there's such a wide, like all the way back to Carrie and mm-hmm. De Palma, yeah. right? Up to where we're at now. That's a lot of movies. 
Now, in a broad sense, you could talk about the phases of King, which is you have Carrie and you have Firestarter and some of those, and then you get into the schlockier stuff in the mid-80s and early 90s. And then TV starts taking it, because that's the only way you have enough time to do some of these books justice, but it's on ABC, (laughs) so you can only do so much. That's why when streaming became a thing and they started doing original content, I'm like, it is finally time for all of his stuff. Yes. You can do any of it with streaming because you don't have the content restrictions. You don't have the time restrictions. You could do so much stuff. And they have been. And that's awesome. And it feels like you could have talked about that. Uh, This documentary stops before it even gets to that point. Yeah, Ben, you said it. There's no discussion about the new stuff. Yeah, no, and they have Mike Flanagan in there who, one of the horror icons right now, they barely touch on Dr. Sleep, which I think is a great discussion about Mm. Dr. Sleep. When he discusses how he convinced King is great, but they don't let him talk about Gerald's Mm. game, which Gerald's game is another one of those ones where it's like it really took this kind of renaissance of his type of writing to be back into cinema to make Gerald's game a movie. And that is actually such a really good King adaptation. I almost wanted to hear more about that than Dr. Sleep, but they actually found the interesting segment of Dr. Sleep to bring up. But then they, right. again, yet yeah, they waste another fantastic director who clearly is incredibly influenced by King and is revolutionizing in a lot of ways. Horror Flanagan's work has really brought about a lot of these changes in the, you know, current state. I think we also need to remember, I'm sure stuff was cut out. Well, certainly, you know, and I, I think, I think they're probably afraid of bogging down like too many adaptations, you know, just like maybe they don't want to make it feel like a laundry list. And I think for the most part, they, they, they really don't make it feel like a laundry list of um, titles to revisit. That's one thing I I do got to give them. If they had done this like in a chronological order, I would, I think I would have been bored to death. I've just been sure. I've been like, all right, I'm gonna pick up my phone. I'll I'll, I'll look back when creep shows on, you know, sort of thing. You know, <laughs> right. I, I'm glad that they didn't. They do try to like, you know, it's almost like an essay. They do it right. in like sections and um, theses and whatnot. Right. But like even even that example right there, creep show, right? Like the 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 modern television with streaming services like Shutter. That's exactly the thing. Creep show is designed to be on. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, what happens, right? We get the movies and those are fine. I mean, like, I, I shouldn't be dismissive, but, like, there is a whole new modern media that enables you to do so much more stuff with King. And when they showed It, they're talking about the, the amount of visual effects they can do to actually make the scary shit you had to rely on your imagination mm-hmm. for actually appear. Great. That is awesome. That is a good use of VFX. It's only taken like 40 years to catch up to where King's imagination was to be able to really fully put it visually on screen. Let's do that. Please, more of it. Even Glaze over Children of the Corn. A movie as big as that, they're like, well, Children of the Corn and, well, then The Stand was really religious. Like, wait, okay. The Children of the Corn is also very religious. Please focus on that for a few minutes. Super religious. Did they have the director of the corn, Children of the Corn? I don't even remember because so much of this movie is a blur of talent. Because, just because, because I think, I think they had they had Mick Garris who did the stand, but I don't think they had the other guy who did Children of the Corn. Maybe they just relied on that. There's the problem with this documentary right there. It's that we can't <laughs> talk about the structure of it, and we can tip our hat to like, oh, well, they did start talking about this, and, and right. they did just do it chronologically, which was a good way to go. But this feels like a first draft. This feels like 
there's no writing being done in crafting the documentary, which yeah. is a damn shame when you're doing a documentary about a guy who knows how to craft narratives nonlinear. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> it's it's scattershot <laughs> at best. It's weird that they only really bring in directors. They bring in a few special effects guys, and I think it's pretty much just like Derek Bomb basically said, no, they're my good friend and they, they can talk to you. They didn't bring in any talent or anyone else who worked on the scripts you know, that isn't a director that worked on the script. It's like, there's so many other people that you could talk about. A writer talking about adapting King's work to film from other writers would have been perfect to bump this up. And they, and they could have dropped some of the other stuff. They don't want to talk about the King Renaissance. They're talking about King on film. It's the translation of his writing to film should have been more of a focus here with some of these big directors that they, that clearly love talking about. But again, that's a whole nother direction. They could have just brought in that would have fit more of TC, your reference of it referencing his book. Yeah. And and now here's the thing. Now we might be sitting here and 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 attacking these d- documentarians for not doing a good job. Maybe they did the best they could. Sure. And and surely there's a love here. Right. There's a thousand percent a love here. There's no doubt that these people wanted to talk about Stephen King and talk to the people who wanted to talk about Stephen King. That is very very clear to me. What is the trip up here? What's the mistake here? Is if, yeah, we couldn't get Andy Machete. We couldn't get these directors or these writers. We couldn't get those. That should be part of the documentary's narrative, that the documentarians are struggling to tell the story of Stephen King in all of his scope and library. Uh, and so sitting here and going, you should have done this. You should have done this. Maybe they tried. Maybe they did. And, and, and the right. effort is very clearly there. So this isn't me just sitting here going, this sucks. You guys suck. I'm not saying that. It's just there's a love here. I feel it from you documentarians. I love Stephen King. I wanted more. I wanted one, more. One thing that sort of came up to me, and I wanted, maybe it's one of the reasons they don't rely too much on the like um, on, on writing or um, anything like that is because I know when I was talking about a couple of people about this documentary, like, oh, it's about his, his works. I said, no, it's about his film adaptations. It's not about his writing. It's not about his books. It's about his move about the about the movies from his works. It's about right. the movies. It's not about his works. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I could see like their interest sort of fading when I tra- when I described mm-hmm. it that way. Sure. And I can sort of maybe see the the filmmakers really struggling to make it about the adaptations. This this is this is a, a documentary about films. It's not a documentary about books. Mm-hmm. But um, I I can see you know, they they try to they try to do that. But I feel like that, that was always like in the back of their head. Like we need to make that point clear. We need to make it really really clear. I I, I don't know. I feel that that I don't want to say they didn't do that well, but. Um, Maybe I don't think they did as well as they could have. <laughs> well, why don't you take that and launch yourself? Stumble, trip, go ahead and fall face first into your final rating, Frank. More? Um, <laughs> I really think that this was largely, not largely, I think 50 50, um, a missed opportunity. King's library is so vast, and the works that have been adapted. The, you know the films and the miniseries and the short films that are out there alone are so vast that there's no way to make a, a, a comprehensive standalone documentary on them. I don't think that this is can be called a definitive take on the film adaptations of Stephen King. I do think it's admirable. I like the takes that were brought up here. I think they work. I think that they're valid. The anecdotal stuff, like 
dude, I don't. I mean, I don't care what what, what, what celebrities do, anyways. I don't care who hits a, a guy in a bar, who kicks a dog. I also don't care that Tom Hanks was there till two in the morning filming Mark Clark Duncan's coverage. I don't care. I'm sorry. So I, I think that that when this thing does get anecdotal, I lose interest and it falls flat. And that's just time that could have been spent with more interesting takes and more, you know, probing into these film adaptations and why he has been uh, an author that even though it has been like peaks and valleys with him, why he's consistently been uh, adapted through the decades. That's something that I thought could have been uh, explored better. But we got photos of Frank Darabont giving him a birthday cake, which is neat. It's admirable. This is an admirable attempt at a documentary. It's a huge subject. So, I mean, the best you can do is pretty much be admirable. So I think I'm just going to end this with uh, my favorite Simpsons, Stephen King riff. And that was, uh, and I said it in another review, I can't remember which, but it's um, Stephen King is um, uh, meeting with his publisher. And his publisher's like, what do you got for me now? He's like, "Uh, I got a book about an evil uh, death lamp. (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna attack you ha, 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 ha. and the publisher says you're not even trying anymore are you and and he's like when can i have it out of 10 yeah no <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna give this because i mentioned desperation i love desperation but not the best miniseries but tom scarrett was good in it so i'm gonna give this um six out of six and a half because there was some there were some genuinely good takes in here six and a half out of ten um Covers of Desperation, because it's a great cover. The hardback cover, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, ben? Yeah, there's not much more for us to say that I think we did. Like, you, we kind of just kind of went in on it. And it's not an abysmal documentary. It's not like it strays off of the subject of Stephen King adaptations completely. It just, it has no direction. It cast a wide net and decided to leave it there. And just not narrow its its topic down at all. And I think, like, I don't have much more to say than that because, like, there's some good documentaries here. It's nice to see some clips. The reminder of some of the Stephen King adaptations I haven't watched that I've been meaning to see. Like, I still haven't seen The Stand, either version. Uh, you know, I've read part of the book, the books, but it's, you know, it's long. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I'm bad at reading as I've gotten to my 30s. Like, I think a lot of us do as we get older. But it's like... I appreciate that, and I appreciate the memories of the ones that I love and I have seen, but it's like, do you need to be reminded of that? Like, again, (laughs) they leave out how many amazing Stephen King adaptations are still coming out. I know the Stephen King adaptations I love. Like, I want to go watch those again. Like, I can watch either version of it, really, anytime and be happy. I don't need this movie to remind me of them and talk that much about how terrifying it was and scarred people about clowns. I know. I was there, you know, and I don't think this is for anybody who's not already a King fan. It's not here to try to, you know, bring new fans to him. So it doesn't have even that focus. I'm going to just have to give it six out of 10 times. Mike Flanagan appeared for three words and then was forgotten the rest of the movie. He tars them per word. (laughs) Luane. Oh, man. I love King's work. Books especially audiobooks. That's how I get any reading of his stuff done anymore. The TV stuff, the movies, whatever. Like, I've I've been criticized for apparently seeming to ape his writing style when I write prose. I don't mean to. It happens. Oh, darn. Just, I've been saturated <laughs> oh, in his stuff. You're the only one, Luane. 
So. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I'm literally in post on one of the dollar babies oh, because nice. it's probably the only way I'm going to get to make a Stephen King movie. If you're a King fan, there's probably not much new here. It's sometimes fun to spend time with the people who love him and his work as much as like I do, but it's, it's uneven. I think it is the biggest thing. And it's, I think it was just a really huge task. This is a monumental thing to try and, and, and sum up in, you know, 90 or 110 minutes or whatever. It's a lot. And I think maybe they just bit off more than they could chew. Although, um, normally I'd give it like 2.5 out of 5 because it's sort of right in the middle. There's good stuff. There's stuff that doesn't work as well. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go 2-3 because I appreciate how much I think the filmmakers love King. And I think for me that that gives him a little extra. So I'm going to say 3 out of 5 VHS rentals of Christine when I was a kid. Oh, God. I'm just going to echo my friends here. I I love Stephen King. Uh, It's clear that these documentarians love him, too. There's a story to be told about his work being adapted to film. I just don't think this was it. I'm not saying this stuff is boring. It's just... As a documentary, this isn't fulfilling what documentaries can do. If you're a fan of his, there's good stuff here, and and you will enjoy this. But if you're not a fan of his, this is going to be rather dull for you. I'm not mad I watched it, but I wish it had been better. So I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10 red balloons. 